What is going on, folks? My name is Barely Allen, and welcome to Barely Allen's Comic Book Cove. Love to. My name is Barely Allen, and I want to welcome you to the Cove. Um, we kind of like to deep dive into deep dive, deep dive into different nerd cultures here on this show. Uh, every one of them has something interesting about them, and that. How is it not fun to submerge yourself into them and learn all the intricacies of them? So that being said, uh, for this it, this episode, we're going through Umbrella Academy Season 2. Oof. Such a good season. Um, got higher ratings than the first season, which feels like it's kind of hard to do because that first season was done so well. But it took away some of the tonal darkness that people weren't a fan of from the first season. Which I don't know who wasn't a fan of that, because I absolutely love that part of it. But still kept the humor and the urgency that they have. And they did it very well. Um, also, absolutely fantastic comic books. The Umbrella Academy books by uh, Gerard Way and Gabriel Ba. Ooh. They are beautifully, artistically drawn. The dialogue in them is great. And you may think that, oh, well, it's a comic book. It's probably a lot more structured. No, you don't learn nothing about them right, right away. And, like, even Klaus just kind of descends flying. So, these, uh... He's got some potential. They're all way stronger in the comic books than they are in the show. They're kind of nerfed for the purposes of the TV show. And they do amazingly. They are f fucking great. I love them with their powers down. But then those first five minutes of episode one of this season, we kind of get to see them at their fullest strength and... Klaus is kind of the one who loses the most desired because he can do all this awesome stuff. And all we've seen him be able to do is exploit Ben for his own gain. Well, I guess you see a little bit more of that in, in a little bit. but Klaus kind of exploits some sweet old ladies into getting a place for himself to, you know, and once he lands in the 1960s. Let's talk about how shoddy Five's time travel is and why he tried for just 50 years away and didn't try for, I don't know, three weeks earlier. Would have been way easier. But uh, I'd really like to know the, the mechanics of how he... Travels through time and does his spatial jumps, um, especially in season one. It's just something that I thought of more in this season, so that's why I'm bringing it up now. Um, I want to know how he's actually able to pull it off. I'm not saying I want to know how fucking superpowers work, but it seems like for five, it doesn't work with him just sitting in one place and teleporting. It's almost like he walks through this other dimension to get to where he needs to essentially and if you've ever noticed I mean he walks a lot while he's doing it or he's always moving into it and I want to know why that way is um, 
Yeah, that was just something that I was thinking when I was watching through. Um, I do really love the way that he pulls himself off in this show and how this season he leans more into his angriness, his craziness, and then we end up having to watch him go through paradox psychosis with which most most of it is just five acting the way that he's always acted since we've met him for mm, man he he releases how how long it's been since he showed up in the past it's been 14 days so like 14 days since he came back from the 60s originally to return to his family in the first episode in season one. It's been 14 days for him. For others, it's been years because of how long they were stuck in the 60s. But just such a crapshoot and spawning people over fucking three years in Dallas. I mean, some of it had to be chance. There's, it couldn't have all been chance, though. Like, that looks like it is so. Oh. Um. Old Hazel is the wholesome character that we need. Uh, very nice being able to see him, if only for a brief moment. And I feel like, actually, the abrupt end kind of worked out well for him. Um, his decision to help the the Academy carried over into Season 2 and shows this... It, it kind of brings a nice end to his character redemption arc while still uh, finding a way to leave more desired... Uh, like there's, we still want more from Hazel. We still want to know more. We want to watch him be a freedom fighter with them. We want to, we want, we, we want some, we want to see him happy with Agnes for a bit too. And we don't necessarily get that, but they did it so well because they tell you everything they tell you the important story things that you need to know for Hazel. Hazel left the commission. He was serious about that. He had a happy life with Agnes for over 20 years. Then Agnes passed away and he carried on his promise to her to go help and help the Umbrella Academy again and try to stop the apocalypse again. So beautiful. I absolutely love the way that they did it. Um... Like, just the whole end of Hazel is done very nicely. And old man Hazel, he just, he looks like fucking pervy Santa Claus, almost. Um, pervy Santa Claus from New Girl, who's actually just Richard Belding from Saved by the Bell. Not that anyone cares, but you had to hear it anyways. Um... And then we have Elliot. As everyone's arriving in the past, we get Elliot. Um, Elliot kind of takes the unpowered role of assisting Academy, which is similar to Vanya in the beginning of season one, or Grace, I guess. 
it's kind of hard to say with the unpowered people because if you look back, I mean, fucking everyone that the show watches, with the exception of the evil deity Leonard Peabody, doesn't have has abilities in one way or another, and you can't watch. Reginald and Pogo fight later on in this season and tell me that Pogo doesn't have, or Reginald doesn't have some kind of abilities. But we'll get to that when we get to it. We're, we're still in episode one technically right now. Um, maybe I should turn off my phone volume. I literally just woke up for the day and wanted to knock this out. I didn't quite have the energy to do it last night and then instead I stayed up and watched a movie. And got ready for my movie watch-along commentary thing today. Um, But I do like the unpowered role assisting the Academy. Especially in Elliot because he's so conspiracy theory driven. It makes for a fun character. Because everyone knows someone who is a nowhere near that extreme version of Elliot. We all know an Elliot. We do. 100%. 100%. Um, Axel, Otto, and Oscar uh, are also known as the Swedes. And they are, oh man, they're good enforcers. They're quiet. They're creepy. Um, they are... Absolutely, they're just, they're, they're creepy. And even that weird milk-like substance that they drink is odd. Um, But they are so good, so pathological. And the silence makes them that much scarier. The fact that they're just silent all the time and these big fucking white dudes... With white blonde hair, you know, like the oof. And I feel like one of the biggest slaps in the face is that Five has to convince the everyone about the uh, everyone again about the apocalypse. And what I noticed in this is something that I noticed. I noticed it the most recently in. Star Wars Episode 4 versus Star Wars Episode 7. And that's a parallelism for the point of telling the story again. To where they repackage that aspect of the story, but still have it run similar to it. Five having to convince everyone about the apocalypse again is funny. They all kind of think that he's crazy. Slash kind of think that he can fucking deal with it on his own. And that... That parallelism, it, I mean, there's a little bit different because now they more think, all right, dude, whatever, have fun, enjoy. Oh, no, if I found another apocalypse to, to stop, go figure. So everyone's kind of feeling their way about him uh, trying to sell them on this. And we see start seeing these fun ways that everyone's connected. Um That's Diego uh, targeting Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, Luther's a fighter for Jack Ruby. The only one who's not really connected to anything 
is Vanya, who doesn't remember anything, and just sits around and is like, Woo, I, 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 love, I love Sissy, and I like my farm. Which, I say that jokingly, but she is probably the best character this season. And I, oh, Ellen Page's deliveries, especially when she gets, when she's upset in season one, season one, episode eight, and I'm, uh, oh, I'm getting chills just talking about it. Um, season one, episode eight, I heard a rumor when she slashes Allison's throat in the end. My God. Her, you feel Vanya's pain in that scene. They'd write it so fucking well. It is 10 out of 10. Um, and speaking of 10 out of 10 things, the activism for Allison, it makes sense. I like that she's tied to that place right away. It's where she walks in when she can't talk. And they tell her, no, no, we don't serve no Negroes here. And her... Her whole process that she goes through with that place, I, you, you deeply feel for Allison, and especially when this came out, which was July, end of July, um, we had been uh, two months earlier. We had the riots over George Floyd, and. We, it was a very appropriate time for this to be part of the show, and they did very good. Um, because, you know, we'll talk to that as we get to it, but because what they did was they took, um, they took our view and they were able to shove it into Allison and put her in these times. So we get to see how we think that we, we we all would be like, hey, man, that's the way that we'd fix it. Like, it takes four seconds that way. What? Just go in there and go tell them what they're doing wrong. And that definitely was not the case in this time, for, in this time period. And they show it where you had to navigate more carefully. You had to literally pick and choose your battles, especially if it was about something as important as race issues. Because they were not seen as important in that way. So, Allison's desire to want to make these changes is something that we all desire and strive for. However, that is not uh, the way that it could have been pulled off. Anyways, there's kind of some of the... that That's... My thought, and I absolutely love her fighting, and I love her with Ray. Ray is so good. Um, man, I mean, Team Allison and Luther, but that's kind of creepy. So, Team Allison and Ray. Woo woo. Um, intro of Lila, such a good character. She is. She is scary. She is funny. She is. In love with Diego, who's like, those are the most important qualities any character can have. That's why I like Klaus, you know? He's he's funny, he's a badass, and he's in love with Diego. <laughs> uh, the Them being two dads are like my favorite memes. I love every one of them that has something like that. Um, 
believe it or not, those are just my notes on episode one. <laughs> but it was an amazing pilot, and I promise I do not have that many notes for each other episode. Um, and in episode two, we start with being able to see the intricacies of the commission, seeing the handler come back to life and... Then her being, her punching in essentially and having a regular day there and her expectation of what the commission should be for her after her return and then what it isn't as proved by AJ. Oof, oof, oof. AJ is such a good character. I really wanted to see more of him and I hope that we get to see some other version of him throughout season three, which hasn't even been confirmed yet, which it's been longer than it took for them to confirm season two. But with the higher ratings and the overall fan appeal and the cliffhanger, I feel like we're getting a season three. Um... The handler may mention that she's not the top of the organization, but it's not something that they reflect on very much. <clears throat> and we actually get to see that more so here with her. I mean, not just with her demotion, but she's getting booted the fuck down. Like, so he's coming to t- talk some sense into her. Um, In this episode, we get to... uh, This actually kind of parallels to five joining file and rank in season one. Um, When he joins the commission as part of the uh, desk team. This is very similar to that, especially with her frustration and everything. And the fact that she got put in five's desk is just such a good slap in the face. Uh, but yeah, no, AJ's so dastardly looking and I feel like his comical appearance is meant to like kind of undercut his, his, uh, his villainous appeal and it does a bit for the general public. I think I saw him and I was like, fuck that dude's probably a badass and I have not read AJ in the comics yet. So Definitely something I want to be doing alongside this is reading some of these comics and getting these stories. Um, And here we see Reginald being the best fighter in the series and absolutely going nuts on Diego, who has the ability to throw knives. And Pogo as well with his amazing fighting. I mean, Pogo is absolutely... A badass. They both take care of five and Diego, like two of uh, arguably, and I say arguably because you can argue with anyone, arguably two of the most able at their abilities out of the Umbrella Academy, and they just wipe the floor with them. Um, from here we get uh, some fun parallel, or the the interconnection kind of starting of Luther and Vanya and Klaus and Allison, kind of starting to push them together, which we want. You know, we're tired of this Umbrella Academy being separate, so it's very nice to see them starting to come together. Um, 
And let's talk about something important, and that's the progression of Lila and Diego. Lila and Diego start moving on in the series, and at this point, at the beginning of episode three, they start with uh, fixing him up, and then they aptly have sex right afterwards. And the progression of Lila's and Diego's relationship is what Diego wanted from uh, his relationship with Patch. So it's nice to see him getting what he ultimately had desired for with her and what he was trying to work them back into at the end of season one before her uh, untimely demise. Ray meeting Luther after already meeting Klaus and learning that he was his brother-in-law is so good. Ray is such a good sport about everything that happens and even finding out about the power that she has in everything. Uh, he's so good. Um, he is so good at what, uh, at what he puts up with and the love that he still has for Allison that whole time. Um, him, him meeting Luther is just, like I said, very good. Um, and then in that episode, the other notable thing that we have to talk about, not much happens in season three story-wise to where it's like, oh, this happened, then this happened, and this happened. It's, it's mostly, hey, Ray's having a shitty day, and everyone's recovering. Um... As we get more Reginald over these couple episodes, uh, any more of Reginald's past is always fun. And even seeing him with this terrorist type organization is great. I cannot get enough of it. I like him being. In this shadow kind of gov- in this shadow kind of organization, trying to do stuff, and it's essentially the plot of killing JFK. Ooh, nuts! Um, and seeing Grace the way that we did is so good too. I can't get over the way that she. Um is presented and getting to see that grace was just based off of someone from his past, which if he's building, uh, I, I like that he went with other nannies at first in season one. And he's like, okay, this is going to be the one and I'm going to make it look like the, the love of my life from the sixties grace. Uh, and the, the reason of Pogo being around grace um there's a little ancient greek phrase that five shouts out uh to get reginald's attention at the end which i feel like definitely pulls him closer to the umbrella academy while they're trapped in the 60s and that is andromoya nepe musa pluptron hosmalapola i don't exactly know how bad i'm doing that translation uh but the or well that you know, dictation, but the translation of it is from, uh, the first lines of Homer's Odyssey, which translate to sing to me, O muse of the man of many turns 
who suffered many evils. I think that's a... It's got to be one of his favorite phrases, the fact that he's able to spit it out from memory that well. I mean, it's been almost 60 years since number five interacted with Reginald Blast, so that has stuck with him this whole time. Um, next episode, episode five, Valhalla. Oof, good episode. Um, we get to see the, uh, the, the, the bit of Pogo that we want to know. We find out more about Pogo's origin and how Pogo comes to be who he is. And that's from Reginald interfering and saving his life. Um, after the moon landing is a, or the moon trip is a failure, um, Saves Pogo's life, and undoubtedly, that is when he wins uh, Grace's interest. And scored perfectly. I Major Tom playing, oh, so good. No, no dialogue at all. And oh, God, I that scene is one of the best in season two by far. Um, the we get to see the the final. Vanya and Sissy coming together, um, wanting to be together finally. And, you know, attention that we've been seeing come up to this whole season, finally there. And we find out that Luther ran to Reginald immediately when he landed in the 60s, which sounds very true for Luther. And he got this very cathartic moment of going off on Reginald. And he deserved it. The shit that he's put up with the whole time, he's definitely deserved it. Um, the Swedish spoken in season two, uh, episode six in the beginning, is un unintelligible even for native Swedish speakers. So they deliver it so fast that I can't actually get a good translation for that one. Uh, the grand coup that the handler is... Uh, Making happen is done flawlessly. Absolutely love the way that we see um, her pulling the strings behind everything. And Oga means an eye for an eye in sweet Oga for Oga, which is written on the wall in blood, and also the name of the episode following this one is an eye for an eye. Um, and this coup leads into us seeing five, possibly the most dastardly we've ever seen him to be. Super ruthless, just, uh, you know, it's, it's what we want. It's what we've always wanted from five. We love when he's this psychopath in a kid's body, and he definitely is so when he takes out the entire board in a matter of seconds. Um... Watching his frustration, uh, despite his best efforts, really resonates with us as viewers because we know everything that he went through to try to make it so they could leave. So we know what he just did for it. So he's got very good reason to be as upset as he is. Um, and getting Ben taking the wheel of Klaus, his possession is something that Ben deserved this whole time. 
And once he was able to pull it off and kind of get to talk to the girl that he's been crushing on was nice. And then, of course, we found that class ruined it. Ugh. But Ben and Diego for a second. Just the... That little realization of, oh my god, this is Ben, this is adorable, is so cute, and Ben is someone that we've always wanted more answers from, and even in the comics he's left that way too, uh, the horror Ben is a character in the comics that, as we've seen in a couple short little things, can control these, these tentacles that come out of his body, and they also provide absolute carnage, they are destructive as all hell um so getting to see more of ben's story and ben's thought processes uh like getting to see any more of ben is always good and we're we're loving how much we're seeing of ben we like that he's getting his chances and it's you know, we should have saw the writing on the walls, <laughs> which I didn't. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second here. Um, episode eight, we get to see action from old five. That's something we've all wanted this whole se whole season. I want to see five in his old man body doing some shit and we get to see that more. So, and we have the paradox psychosis, uh, which presents in other ways in different media. There's always people that the dangers of time travel and the dangers of traveling to a time when you're in. So I like that they are um, not only mentioned in here, but they're almost regulated by the commission. Like they have a whole handbook on everything that's going to do, what you're going to feel, and how to avoid it. So I like that regulation of it. Um, and then we have Diego joining the commission, which is probably the worst thing for him because he cannot be expected to follow the leader. And it's the same problem when they tried to bring five into the commission. Can't expect him to follow the leader. So, um... Herb is so slimy. Every time something seems to be going wrong for Herb, he finds his way to get out of it. Good character, but he's very similar. He he has shades of uh, worm tongue from Lord of the Rings for me. Just shades of it. It's all I could see, man. I don't know. Um, AJ tries so hard in his efforts to defeat the handler, but in the end, a tiny fish is a tiny fish. You know, I would, I kind of felt like saying a goldfish is a goldfish when I first watched that, but he's not a goldfish, but that's like the right size for him. Uh, and then here we go. Vanya is the devastation that is coming to hit on the day that the president's motorcade comes into town and it's a giant explosion and she kills a bunch of FBI agents. I want to say FIB because there's something that I watch and they're all referred to as FIB instead of FBI. Um, but her freaking out in that building. Then we have everyone trying to stop her. Um, we have Allison try. She can't whatsoever. We have Diego try 
who is trying to make it and can't and says that it's all up to Klaus. And Klaus even has his come to hero moment and he's like, you're, you're Klaus. And he's just saying all the great things that he's done. He's like, you fought in fucking wars. You've done this. He's like, you once wore a sarong to a fraternity party and got a shit ton of numbers. Uh, There's such a good Klaus and it, you watch it and you're like, oh, Klaus. <laughs> this is definitely how I felt when I watched that part. And then you expect him to be the one that stops her. And no. And Ben's able to do it because he's a ghost. And that doesn't affect him as much. But then we found out that apparently ghosts are able to die. And we lost the one character that we found out that we would we thought we would never be able to lose. Because we've already lost him before everything. So we have no more Ben. Um, it is sad. It is very sad. And then even following, so I'm skipping one more point that I wanted to make in episode nine, but I'll go back to it because Ben's funeral is like one of the best insights to the family, seeing how they all react to it and watching Reginald blame the children and tell them that they're not allowed to train because they failed and allowed another member to die. This is very true from most of the stuff that we've learned of Reginald as is. And we get the absolute sweetest moment where you find out that Ben stuck around for Klaus in the beginning because Klaus didn't want to be alone. And, oh, God, that scene will make me misty every time I watch it. Because Ben just giving up his... His chance at his happily ever after. And then even telling Vanya to tell Klaus about it. Uh. As it is, I'm talking about it right now and I can feel the little bit of tears sticking around in my eye. Thank God we're on the last episode anyways. Uh, the connection of Vanya and Harlan's powers. So cool. I love that her saving him ended up to him getting these powers and then... She thinks that she has the ability to take him away, which, as we know from the last five minutes, she does not. Uh, and kind of one of the fun things that we definitely hear is how easily everyone is turned against the Academy and the public doesn't trust in vigilantes, which is something that we see a lot in the media that I take in with all these vigilante-type shows. Um and here we have it as the last point that I wanted to make. Uh, Harlan was the world's first metahuman. Um, and ignorance would have others believe that it's just something wrong with him because of his, I want to say autistic tendencies, um, because of how under underprepared they are for the issues that he presents himself with. So... Fan-fucking-tastic season. The end with the Sparrow Academy sitting there. Really good lead into season three. And getting an alive version of Ben that's part of the Sparrow Academy. I think we might get. I think we might end up with a with a Ben that's converted back to being good. Kind of an anti-hero nigga Ben. But I think that he's going to be part of the 
normal team. Now, we only saw silhouettes of everyone behind him, so I'm kind of guessing that it's not going to be the Umbrella Academy members for them, and that it's going to be other versions of replacements or what have you. Anyways, very, very excited for that story leading off. Fantastic season. Uh, best story arc definitely comes from uh, Allison and her realizing that her activism was not the proper way. Best story arc. Uh, best lines this season come from Klaus. Just him as a cult leader is something fantastic. Um, such a such a good season. I could not be more happy over the way that this season ended. So, that being said, thank you everyone for listening in and joining to while we talked about Umbrella Academy season two. Cannot wait for there to be a season three, and we might as well knock out the little bit of commercials. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you subscribe to it. Find out whenever I'm doing. Any more new episodes. Not the easiest. Subscribe to a bunch of stuff. And you don't necessarily see when things come through. That's fine. Go on Facebook. Facebook.com slash BarelyAllen93. The link will be in the description of this video. Go ahead. Click on that link. Like my page on Facebook. And from there you'll get to see when I'm doing most of my stuff. I am also doing a Power Rangers giveaway. I talk about that in the end of the Power Rangers episodes. So why don't you go ahead and go forward on those. And you know. Go listen on those. And find out about the giveaway that I'm doing. You can also follow me on Twitter. I post a lot on Twitter. At Barely Allen. Link will be posted again in the description. Same with the link for my YouTube channel, where if you are 420 friendly, you can watch my daily A Token Guide to Surviving the Apocalypse, where I sit around, smoke, and just kind of chat with people. Anyways, thank you all so much for coming out and listening to this episode. You guys are fantastic. The people that I make this for is you guys. So the fact that you are actually sitting here listening to it means the world to me. Engage with me on any of my social medias. Tell me what you like or what you don't like about the show. I am more than happy to take any input. If it's lengthwise, if you're like, hey, dickhead, it's a podcast, make it at least an hour. I'll take it. Tell me that. I don't care. But... Anyways, thank you very much, folks. Again, I appreciate every single one of you. I look forward to seeing you next time. And we like to leave you with a nice little tagline. Usually it's pretty easy on the Power Rangers show because it's just, oh, let the power protect you. But uh, in this time, let's say if you're born on one day with 40-some other children, maybe don't expect your life to be that easy. And until next time, my name is Barely Allen, and thank you for joining me in the Cove. Good night.